This is the moment you've all been waiting for. DC and RC. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Louisiana. It's DC and RC. Hailing from Aurora, Louisiana. It's fight night. Catch a right hook in your right eye. Change how you look. Daniel, come again. And Ryan Clark, the champs are here. With battle scars, this warfare. Louisiana's in the air. From the railroad to Lafayette to Los Angeles to Times Square. I could go one show without you going, I'm Super Bowl champ. When the mic's on, it's showtime. DC and RC, we win in Super Bowls and Emmys. And Daniel got two belts around the belly. Oh, USC history! DC, two division champ. I ran the UFC. Cause we asking all, all the tough questions. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with DC, you broke my heart. This is MMA, mixed martial all stars. And we bout that grind and pound, so be on guard. And we going round for round, cause we want it all. But there can only be one in the octagon. DC and RC, DC and RC, DC and RC, ESPN, tune in to see. What's up guys, welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. As you can see, it's only my beautiful face on the screen right now because Ryan Clark is busy. He had a couple other things that he had to take care of. Listen, he's not gone for work. He has some family obligations that he's taking care of, so we will excuse him. So coming up on the show today, we're going to do DC and Friends. I'm going to be joined by Kamaru Usman. I'm going to be joined by Chris Weidman. And there's going to be a party here because Patty Pimblett is going to join us later in the show ahead of his fight at UFC 296 against Tony Ferguson. But first, I want to be joined by a friend of the show, a guy that we all like so much, actually best friend of the show. He even went so far as to wear one of them preacher shirts like Ryan Clark today, Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman, how you doing, my guy? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I'm good. You know what? I actually don't even want to be on the show anymore, man. Cause, cause of the, the introduction. It, it, I thought, I thought. <laughs> see, you bamboozled me. You told me I was co-hosting with you, but now it's DC and friends. Well, told, hey, you got other people co-hosting with you. Wow, DC. It see, just don't is, work. It this just, is what you it do. Just, it, see, it just doesn't work, right? Because your your initials are KU. If it was Kamaru with something with a C at the end, it would be easy to just drop that into the introduction, but it's DC, it's Kamaru Usman, because you're not only here right now, you're here at the end of the show, you tapping in or tapping out, so it's like you the real deal. But I got a bone to pick before we move forward, right? I got a bone to pick before we move forward. I'm sitting in my house. Big Frank is representing against Tyson Fury. I see three African kings out there. The only first-generation African that is not in Saudi Arabia is DC. Why was I not invited to the party? Why can't I walk out with the rest of us? Like, I mean, why is this first-generation African Wait. not at the party? I don't get it. Wait, DC, you know why you're not at the party. You know <laughs> I mean, why, why you are not at the party. You know exactly why you are not at the party. Why? Because so I'm going to leave at the that New York Stock don't... Exchange. Because I was at the New York <laughs> Stock Exchange taking pictures. <laughs> You know why you was not at the party. Hey, hey, I believe it. You're so <laughs> no more. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it. No more incidents. I'm gonna leave it just at that. 
You oh. know, I don't want my superiors right, yeah. to give me a call. So I'm going to leave right. it at that. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be on the show, which I'm excited to just, you know, um, I look forward to this segment every week to just kind of see because what we got going on, because we have a ton of, obviously, a ton of fights coming up. And especially, you know, on a weekend like this, not only do we get to review yep. former fights, but we get to talk about some of the upcoming fights that are taking place. So, you know, as a fan of the sport myself, I'm excited to dig into this. Well, talking to upcoming fights, Usman, there's none bigger than the one this weekend between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. You are as familiar with these guys as anyone. Guys, let's look at some of the stats with Kamaru Usman and these guys. He's fought these guys for almost two hours inside the octagon, has landed over 500 significant strikes against the two guys that are fighting in the main event this weekend and has a combined record of 3-2 and two against Colby Covington and Leon Edwards. So, Kamaru, as a guy that is as familiar with these two as anyone in the UFC, when you look at Colby Covington and Leon Edwards, what do you think on first look? Because I say this, Usman, this is the fight that I've been most excited about of all the title fights to end the year. What do you, as a former opponent of both, think about the fight between Usman and Colby Covington? I think it's a very intriguing fight if you really look at it because a, a lot of people are kind of, I, I don't think no one's really on the fence. I think people are going, oh yeah, absolutely, Kobe Covington is going to drown this guy. And then some people are going, oh, Leon's, uh, uh, Adam is going to get this guy out of there. So when I look at the fights, you and I both know that styles make fights, DC. And, and the way mm-hmm. that a guy reacts when he's in front of you it's not exactly how that guy's going to react when he's in front of someone like, you know, Stipe or someone else who's, who's just a different body type and different skills uh, uh, assets. Well, with me, when I'm in there with a guy like Covington, Covington knows different things. He knows that he cannot just go out there and physically impose his will with his wrestling on me mm-hmm. like he can on most guys who don't come from that typical wrestling background. So he has to fight me differently. And then with Leon as well, he understands that I'm going to wrestle the way that I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to grapple the way I'm going to grapple. But at the same time, I can hit him with a shot that can put him away. He might not respect that power of Covington like that. So you have just a much more intriguing fight with both of these guys going at each other. And so I, the big key here is Covington's been out for a while now, over a year. Now, for some guys, that does wonders for them. It allows them to be able to rejuvenate their bodies, to heal, to deal with certain things. But for other guys, it, it takes them away from the action for so long that they get rusty. So the key here is which Covington is going to come out? Is it the Kobe Covington that fought me the first fight when we fought each other? Or is it this new guy that we haven't seen for a year and a half? Because Leon is riding high on his confidence because he, I believe, believes that he is the best welterweight on the planet right now. But my question to you is, when we talk about these two guys, and you made some great points, one being the respect that these guys will have to show each other. But I always wonder, when that comes into play, which is, which is a real true thing, does Leon respect the punch of power of Kobe? Because we've never seen Kobe put anybody out with one shot. It's always been drag him as deep as you can to ultimately break him. We have seen Leon Edwards, though, be able to strike with the best and defend takedowns. My question is, 
who's at more risk by playing that game of not truly respecting whether or not this guy can do that certain thing? Is Kobe Covington at more risk for not respecting the takedown defense of Leon Edwards? Or is Leon Edwards more at risk for not respecting the punching power that may come in his direction with Kobe Covington? Mike, like, did you feel any of that from Kobe? Like, did he hit hard? Did he hit harder than you expected? Like, who's at more danger at playing that game? I think at more danger of playing the game would have to be the champion, Leon Edwards, because, uh, and I said this to Kobe Covington, is, is Kobe will be the champion if Kamaru Usman did not exist in that weight division. Yes. And, and that, that, that's, that's just the fact of the matter is Kobe might not have the punching power that I have, per se, to put you out in one shot, but he does sting you with certain shots that you don't expect. You know, you get away with not not respecting the power, not respecting the power. Then he'll sting you with an uppercut that's like, oh, that, that kind of buzzed me a little bit. And then he just puts on this barrage of pressure oh, that overwhelms most guys. And, and we all know nothing makes a coward out of an athlete more than fatigue. And so if Kobe Covington is able to weaponize that fatigue like he does, you might start to he might start to feel like he's got the most power in the world. So you, gotta, so you never know that. You. I got to disagree. I got to disagree. I got to disagree with you. I got to disagree with you. I got to disagree with you a little bit. Go ahead. I got to disagree me. Tell me. Because, you- because, because, because here's the deal, right? Here's the deal. And this is the God honest truth here. And this is why, right? This is why I'm your elder statesman and I can school you on things. I think <laughs> who's at more risk of playing that game, Usman, is Kobe Covington. Because you and I both know the worst yes. thing inside the octagon is when you expect to take somebody down, and then you can't. And then you can't. And then all of a sudden, you're fighting a fight. Yes. Then you're fighting a fight that you don't expect and you're not truly comfortable with. Okay, go ahead. Talk to me. Right. But here's where I I disagree with you is uh, Kobe Covington is not going to stop trying to get that takedown. That's where he Mm -hmm. defers from you Mm -hmm. and I. We can adjust because we can strike. We, we've got the power to be able to hurt a guy and put him out. Kobe Covington is not going to deviate away from the plan, especially when he knows, let's be honest here, this guy's not a national champion. This guy's not an All-American. This guy's a, a, a striker that has learned how to defend takedowns using the cage. I am going to shoot takedowns as much as I can until I get him down. And going by my fights, I'm going to be honest with you, being straight up with you. Kobe Covington fought me neck and neck. I just had to outclass him mm-hmm. towards the end. But now looking at my yep. fights with Leon Edwards, there wasn't a fight that where I wasn't completely dominating at some point in that fight. And when I utilized my wrestling, there wasn't a time where I couldn't go get the takedown. Let's be, uh, of course, I give the mm-hmm. champion his credit. He has definitely improved greatly with his takedown defense. But I will, I will adapt. I will adjust and I will strike because I know I can't put you out with that shot. Kobe Covington doesn't care. You saw him when he fought Robbie Lawler. He's going to shoot repeatedly, and then he's going to put the pressure on you, and he's going to strike and strike and strike and strike. It might not, the first one might not hurt you. The second one might not hurt you. Well, maybe the 18th one might be the one to hurt you. So Kobe Covington is going to keep going. Even though he misses the first takedown, yeah. second takedown, third takedown, he's going to keep going. Yeah, he weaponizes cardio. It's his greatest gift, actually. It's his greatest gift is his ability to work hard, and he said that on the Countdown Show. Without wrestling, he would not have developed this style that he has. But I just believe that the more 
people that say that point you just made, which is a great point. It motivates Leon Edwards. The fact that people still, at this point, when he's won 11 fights, when he has been unbeaten in 12 fights, the more people say, well, Kobe's going to continue to press and press and press and press. And there is this idea that if not for Kamaru Usman, which it, I, I do believe Kobe would have held the belt at some point, Kobe Covington would be the champion. Again, motivation for Leon Edwards. It's like everybody continues to give Leon Edwards this bulletin board material. And I don't know if you're doing it purposely because of you and Kobe Covington's history that you want him to give Leon Edwards <laughs> things to work with. But there is something that's going on here because so many people from President Trump to Leon T. Dude, Leon's one of those guys, Usman, that goes, I feel like the UFC wants Kobe to win. I feel like Donald Trump and the pres former president wants Kobe to win. And in that, he goes, I'm going to show him that this ain't to be. I'm going to show him that he's not going to win. So every time this dude hears someone say something like, Kobe's not going to deviate from the wrestling, he's like, okay, then I'll defend another takedown. Then I'll defend another takedown. And I will show you that I can defend takedown after takedown after takedown after takedown. And I am the best welterweight in the world. All y'all doing is giving them bulletin board material. I hear what you're saying, DC. I completely hear what you're saying. But here's why I disagree with you. First of all, it's You're not. trying to set Kobe up. Maybe. It's not. No, it's not. Maybe uh, uh, President Trump wants him to win. No, it's for sure President Trump wants him to win. Okay. It's not. Maybe the UFC okay. wants him to win. The UFC doesn't care. The UFC wants who's going to make the most money. That's who they care about. They're a company. But that's what, that but that's what, but that's what Kobe Covington revenue. is saying, though. But that is what Kobe Covington is saying. Okay. Kobe Covington is okay. saying he's the Kobe's cash cow. But you said, is that but true, you said Leon Edwards. But you said Leon Edwards, what Leon Edwards is saying. But listen, yes, if mm -hmm. Leon, Leon, if you feel that the UFC wants him to win because he brings in more money, well, change that. You be that cash cow. You be that guy that brings in more money. So, so I don't mm -hmm. want to hear that mm -hmm. from a champion because that just sounds like whining to me. You know, you want to change the narrative, mm -hmm. then go out there and change that narrative. But, but I don't think. Listen, but, I'm but, not giving. To me, but listen, to me, DC, it's a, to, first of all, well, hold on. Let me finish this. See, but but listen. Are a wrestler just like me. You are an athlete just like me. When you hear repeatedly over and over and over, this guy's going to weaponize his cardio. It's going to weaponize his cardio. I don't care how many times you hear it. I don't care if you go, yeah, I'm going to show him. It's still in the back of your mind. Damn, he has better cardio than me. So listen, he can hear as many times he as he hears it. But if he's not, yes, absolutely. If he's not prepared, it's going to drown him. Listen, I fought Leon mm. Edwards three times now. It wasn't a time where I felt, oh, he had better cardio than me. Never. Never. So, listen, if, if that's Kobe's main weapon, of course. It doesn't matter whether you hear it a million times. Just go out there and stop him. That's it. But that's what he but that's what he but that's what he's saying he's going to do, Usman. That's what I'm trying to tell and you right now. It. Leon Edwards is taking Leon Edwards is taking this as motivation. You can see it in the words. In the words. It's it's not like he's saying I'm not going to change the idea that Kobe Covington is the guy that people want to win. Leon Edwards is saying I'm going to use this as motivation to prove to you why I should have long got a title fight. They made me wait ten fights after I had won ten in a row. 
I made myself undeniable so that they had to give me this opportunity. Leon Edwards wants to carry a chip on his shoulder, and right now, that is what he's doing. So when he sees Kobe Covington show up in the helicopter for an interview at Trump National, he goes, okay, I'm the champ. Where's my helicopter? Where's my interview, ESPN? He uses this stuff as motivation, Usman, and I feel like he intends to make Kobe Covington pay for that. But Kobe Covington, a lot of this is self-proclaimed, Kamaru. How much truth is that? Because guess what? If anybody knows Usman, it's you. Because you fought both. You've had, you've made money with both, right? You've made money with both. As I know, I've made money with Jones, and I've made money with Stipe. And I know that John Jones, for me, was the one that made more money. You know better than anyone. When these guys are saying, Kobe Covington says, I'm the cash cow, Leon Edwards says, well, is that necessarily true? You tell me, Kamaru, who is it? Who's the biggest star of the two? Who's, who helps you draw the numbers? Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be honest. First of all, DC, hey, don't be putting my business out there like that. Don't be putting my business out there. No, I'm just saying, there. bro. Like the truth. It's not even, I'm not I'm, even, I'm, I'm just saying, bro. I'm we DC, know. I still got the air, no, air you ain't, bro. There. And you no, got it professional Kamaru Usman, that is your house. That is your house behind you. That is not a backdrop. Guys, that is Kamaru Usman's house, his interior designer. His interior designer put that picture perfectly in the perfect spot for him to be able to do this type of stuff. So don't, don't even do it. No. Usman, you tell okay. me. Okay. But to answer your question, to answer your question, DC, absolutely, you're right. Uh, Kobe Covington has done something that I, I truly believe is unprecedented. And that is, to, he's made himself a, a, a guy that is, you know, just putting it out there unanimously, I think, hated, unanimously hated by everyone, everyone. But it starts to kind of, it, it grows on you and it grows on you. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a fan of both guys. Covington and, and Edwards. Dude, I'm a fan of both guys. This dude trying to not answer my question. And, and you need I'm to tell me, answer, answer the question. Answer the question. Of the two, who's the biggest star? Who draws the eyeballs? Covington. Undeniably, it's Kobe Covington because of what he's able really? to do. You know, uh, Undeniably. Like, if, if I'm in a room with Leon Edwards, and I have been in a room with him, Leon could be on the opposite side of the room and I'll be on the opposite side of the room and everything will be just fine. But if Kobe Covington's on the opposite side of the room and I'm on the opposite side of the room, everybody in between in that room is nervous. I guarantee you is mm. nervous of what could happen. And so undeniably, when you have that, when you are able to make people feel a certain way about you, that's what, that's what sets them apart from everyone. I don't know if that's particularly the route I would have went, but it's what Kobe has done, and it's what has made him a star. And it makes people hit that pay-per-view purchase button, right? That is that is what people do when they when you when you're unanimously hated or loved. People hit the buy button, and I'm at the reason I asked you, Kamara, is because there is this idea, right? Especially that Leon saying publicly the UFC wants him to win, which I don't know if it's true. And Kobe saying he's the cash cow. Leon's not known. I don't know if it's true, but what you're telling me now is that whenever you guys, I'm pulling the curtain back for you a little bit, um, you fight somebody, 
a month passes, you might receive a check, right? And it's a really big check. And then you continue you to receive checks down the line from that pay-per-view that you headline. If the guy helps you sell pay-per-view, those checks come a little longer. What Kamar Usman is saying, that Kobe Covington, it, it draws. And so maybe Kobe's not just self-proclaiming these things. Maybe it is proven in fact with the numbers. But Usman, yeah. when you look at D the fight, real, uh, I got to put you I, on I wanna, uh, real Go quick. Ahead. You're right. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, and this is one thing here that, and I, I felt a little bit of this with Edwards, uh, what Edwards is, is feeling too. But this is one thing about it is it, it sounds like over time, it sounds like whining because Edwards doesn't necessarily realize that you have to be grateful for a guy like this. You have to be a great, you have to be grateful mm. for a guy that can move the needle because no one got into this to do it for free. No one got into do it for free. Be grateful for a guy like that that's coming along, that's going to move the needle because he's going to get you paid. Your job is to go in there and win regardless. So you go in there and win, and this guy gets you paid. That's what you want. So so don't, people don't, don't say, oh, I feel people like you understand. Yeah. People don't understand that your biggest rivals are your best business partners. The people that you hate the most, you want that. You want an antagonist. If you think that you're the protagonist, you're the good guy. If you feel that you're the good guy in your story, you need a bad guy. Right now, Kobe Covington will play the bad guy gladly to whoever it is. But ultimately, what is going to decide this fight is skills. And when you look at the matchup, you think grappler versus striker. Because Kobe doesn't throw his punches in the most technical way. He's loopy. He seems to be touching. Because like you said, he wants to overwhelm you with his activity. When I watch these two... Leon Edwards might be one of the slickest strikers that I've seen in the UFC for a long time. And you know, Leon trained at AKA before you guys fought the first time way back in the day. He's improved tremendously. But even back then, you could see that he had something in the striking, a, a comfort level in the striking that not many people can match. Leon Edwards has shown improvement time and time again. We have not seen Colby Covington. For a really long time. But the last time we saw him, we saw him in another grudge match with George Masvidal. We saw him wrestle him to the ground over and over. So I wonder aloud, who is more comfortable in this environment? Especially when it seems as though Kobe Covington has created this environment in every single fight. Leon Edwards, though, Kamaru, for his, uh, to his credit, was in that same situation with you. The last two fights, a bit of a grudge. It seemed as though you guys became increasingly more annoyed with each other as the fights got closer. But who's more comfortable in this tension, in this type of environment where it's it'll be as nasty a build as Leon Edwards has ever been a part of? Because Kobe Covington will insult you in ways that really can get to you. Who's better yeah. under those circumstances because right now, to me, it feels like the champ is motivated, bro. The champ seems motivated to shut this guy up. I agree. You have to be. If you're, if you're the champ and you're walking around with that belt, you have to be motivated to say, you know what? I'm going to put the world on notice, and I'm going to shut this guy up. And I, and I truly do. I, I do believe that Leon is, 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 believes in that. He believes in himself in saying that, oh, I feel like I'm the best guy in the world. I just beat Kamaru Usman twice. I am the best in the world. And I believe it. And Kamaru Usman beat this guy twice. I should be able to beat that guy. Mm -hmm. I do believe that Leon believes in that. 
But this is a comfortable space right now in this there's build danger in that for Kobe though. Covington. There's very there's a lot of danger in that. But this is a, also a very comfortable spot for a guy like Kobe Covington because Kobe, every fight that Kobe's going to be in is going to look like this. It's going to be a grudge match. Like I said earlier, Kobe has unanimously built himself into this guy that is going to be in, in a in a abusive relationship up until you step inside that <laughs> octagon and end it. It's going to be abusive. He's going to talk about you. He's going to he's going to say certain things that cross the line. It's how are you able to deal with it and ultimately go in there and get your hand raised? And so Kobe is definitely more comfortable in this position of being the antagonist and, and, and trying to pull all that things out of you. It's just, you know, I, I'm intrigued because I honestly, I believe, DC, I agree with you. I do believe that, that Leon is motivated because he believes I just beat the best welterweight on the planet, Kamaru Usman, twice. And if he beat this guy twice. I should be able to beat this guy. Usman, I got to ask you a question. Are you okay picking? Are you comfortable picking the winner for the fight this Saturday? Are you okay? Are you willing to go on a limb here and tell me who you think is going to win the fight? I am okay picking, but but here's my my whole thing with picking is I don't know because like I we we know as 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 wrestlers and then now as 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 fighters DC, we know that when you've been gone for a year and some change, certain guys react differently to that. You know, a, a guy like Dominic Cruz can take a year and a half off and come back and still look like nothing happened. You know, to where other guys can take a year and a half off and they come back, they look completely flat. We just don't know how much that time is going to affect them. And that's what scares me with Kobe Covington. If it's not that time... I'm going 100% with Kobe Covington. But I do I do mm. believe in what I just said. Leon Edward believe, Edwards believe that he is the best welterweight in the planet right on the planet right now because he got his hands raised fighting Kamaru Usman who was the best welterweight on the planet. So, I do believe he's carrying that confidence and he's going, well, he beat him twice. I definitely can beat this guy twice. Because Kamaru Usman mm. is a little different than Kobe Covington. Kamaru Usman, not only can he wrestle, not only does he have that cardio to keep you off your, off your toes, but he also has that one-punch knockout power. And I was able to get okay. past him twice. I can take care of Kobe Covington. So I think Leon believes in that. And so just for that dumb confidence alone, I'm going to go with Edwards. My man, Kamaru Usman. Hey, listen. It was great having you at the top. It was a great conversation. But I, I did lay the smack down on you. I look like Khalil Rontree with that weird stuff. When Khalil Rontree hey. was there, that boy. <laughs> did you know Khalil Rontree pick his hand up like did that? Like, That's what did I just did like to you. With the no, you didn't. Bro, what no, was I mean? What was that? Did you not see that? Khalil Rontree no, was just didn't. standing there with his hand up yeah, like that. Looked, That's exactly what I just like did Thor to you. With the hammer. DC, no, you didn't. No, you exactly didn't. Exactly what I just I did. I came out here and Man, I Shannon sharped you. you. I Shannon sharped you. I Shannon sharped you. I Shannon sharped you. I just came down here Let's and go. I took over your show. You know what? They should call this Kamaru Man. The Nigerian Nightmare Show. Oh, right my now. goodness. This dude is crazy. Hey, Kamaru, thank you for joining us. Guys, Kamaru ain't going nowhere. Okay. I ain't letting him off. He going to tap in and tap out with me later in the show. So, you guys, don't go nowhere. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. What a way to end 2023. UFC 296 is an absolutely stacked card from top to bottom. You got Vicente Luque versus Ian Machado Gary. Followed by Patty Pimblett and Tony Ferguson, Shavkat versus Stephen Thompson, all leading to the main event, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. But before we go on, guys, we got to chat with the baddie. It's time to go one round with Patty Pimblett. Patty, how you doing, my friend? Hey, the last time you and I spoke, you told me, until I see one of your walkouts in person, you don't know the experience. And then it was, hey, dude, you come out. I mean, your hair's flopping everywhere. You look like one of the Beatles. The crowd is going absolutely crazy. It really is an experience when you watch Patty Pimblett walk out. My friend, I want to tell you that it was awesome. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. And yeah, it was a, uh, I always make it. Try and make a little party when I walk out, because obviously when you get in a cage, you have to get serious after that. Dude, is it is it crazy to you, though, that the crowd reacts to you in that way, especially since you haven't been in the UFC for a long time? Um, no, it's been happening my whole career, you know what I mean? Fighting on cage warriors, walking out in arenas, I've always always had like a, a, big, a big reaction when I walk out. The song helps, like... It's so much energy. It's got, and there's so much energy in that song. I mean, I'm sitting next to Rogan and we're like, this is absolutely crazy that this kid draws this type of reaction from people. When it was your first time fighting on pay-per-view uh, the last time we saw you, how's this week been going for you so far? Everything's going perfect, to be honest. Everything's, I'm absolutely flying and training and my weight's perfect. So I've got nothing to worry about. I just cannot wait to weigh in, to be honest. Training camp's been good. Training camp's went well. No injuries. You feel great going into the fight this weekend. Massive opportunity yeah. taking on a former champion in Tony Ferguson. Yeah, there is massive opportunity. Um, you know, even though he's on a, a bit of a losing streak at the minute, it's still Tony Ferguson. You know what I mean? It's still someone that I've been watching fights since I was about 15, 16 years of age. Grew up watching him. So that's the fact that I have the honor to get in there and fight him is brilliant. Tony, uh, so I got to ask you a question, Patty, about Tony Ferguson. So when we got this fight announcement, the reaction was a bit mixed, right? 
because it seems as though Tony Ferguson is getting fed to this young up-and-coming guy to kind of build off of his name. Do you get that feel? Do you get that feel that um, it's almost a bit of a lose-lose situation for you? Because if you smash Tony Ferguson, you just smash Tony Ferguson, the guy that so many people like and love. But if you fight him and it's competitive, now you kind of fought a competitive fight with Tony Ferguson, a guy who seems to be on the decline. Yeah, I've said this myself. This fight's a bit of a lose-lose for me, but as I always say, I'll never turn down a fight with anyone. So when the contract got sent through with his name on, I signed it. But, you know, people are, people are talking about Bobby Green coming uh, coming back up after they beat Tony and he had a competitive first round with him. Michael Chandler had a competitive first round with him. You know what I mean? It's, um, you've got to watch Tony as he comes right out the blocks because he comes out in the first round trying to take your head off. And as we know, I've had to work on keeping that chin down. What do you what do you make? Oh, you said keep that chin down. Like I know, I know last time we kind of mentioned this that we got this guy. So you guys listen to this commentary like nothing else, dude. Like sometimes you get a little excited. We all do it. I did it too. I threw loopy punches. I had my chin up in the air. I can't judge nobody. I just happened to say it, but you're a phenomenal fighter, Patty. But what do you make of Tony Ferguson today? Right? The fighter, let's forget about who he was on a 12 fight win streak. What do you make of the Tony Ferguson that you will see on Saturday night? Well, I hope the Tony Ferguson turns up what for, like, Cerrone and Pettis, you know what I mean? I want to have a barn burner with him. want to make up for the performance from last year when I got injured and uh, in the T-Mobile and give everyone a show. But as I say, he isn't the same fighter as that. He, he's not, if we're just being honest about it. I think Tony relied a lot on his athleticism and his speed when it comes to his 12 fight wins, you know what I mean? Even in some of them fights, he got put in some bad spots, but he'd get out of it through his mm-hmm. athleticism and his speed and his fight IQ, but where he's aging and stuff, um, his body just isn't the same anymore. Like, fighting at light heavyweight and heavyweight, like, getting to fighting at them ages, 38, 39, 40, it's not as bad because, obviously, everyone isn't as fast and stuff like that, but at lightweight, speed and athleticism plays a very big part, and now that he's 39, he, he, he's lost most of that. Mm-hmm. Patty, I wanted to ask you this about the last fight. There was a lot of controversy around it. You won the fight. Is the most disappointing thing in that is that you didn't fight to your potential and you feel like you gave people hope down the line that, well, we could compete with Patty Pimblett because to that point you had dominated in every situation. Is that what's most disappointing? Just that you give people the idea that there's hope that they can beat you when you want to be dominant every time you're out there? Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like when I fought when I fought Jared, I remember a lot of people asking me after it, did, did you underestimate Jared? And it's like, no, I didn't underestimate him at all. I just underperformed. So as I say as well, getting injured in the first round didn't help because I was pretty immobile because of that from the first two minutes into the fight. Uh, and then the fact that I've had to sit out for a year after my worst UFC performance really does hurt, you know what I mean? Because if I would have got injured after any of the other fights and had to get life-changing surgery on my foot then, it wouldn't have been so bad because I finished each one of them opponents. When you have a close decision victory and then you have to get surgery and sit out for the year and everyone's hating on you, that's when it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Patty, in that time of wait on my man, big news. You're having kids. I mean, there's just a lot that has changed for you. 
How happy are you in life right now? You're having twins, right? Man, let me tell you something. Yeah. I've got a three-year-old baby, and it, w- it was hard. Twins, you are in forward, my friend. Twins, congratulations, bro. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, the first half of the year was hard. Like, um, after getting surgery and being in a boot for a few months, I couldn't train. I had to just sit around with my own thoughts. And it wasn't nice. But then, obviously, I got married in May. And then I found out a couple of weeks, well, a couple of months ago now that the missus is pregnant with twins. So I'm having two uh, little girls in April, which is something to look forward to. You know what I mean? Life-changing. I can't wait. And obviously, I'm going to be putting on a performance for them. They'll be there in the arena inside my wife's belly. So I can't lose in front of them. Absolutely. Patty, listen, there are worse things you can be doing while injured than spending time with your wife and then ultimately making children. All right. So it was fun <laughs> during the time that the baddie was away. Guys, Patty Pimblett hopes to have a good time this weekend at UFC 296 as he takes on Tony Ferguson. Patty, congratulations on the kids. Good luck this weekend, man. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Nice one for having me, fella. See you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Wildhawk! My leg split in half. It's the most catastrophic injury, hands down. Were they going to amputate his leg? You don't know the totality of the recovery. Chris had every complication. Did you think about walking away? E60 presents Chris Weidman, The Return, Sunday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, same-day streaming on ESPN+. I know the story, so I'm honored to be joined by Chris Weidman. It's time to go one round with the All-American. Chris, how you doing, my brother? What's up, DC? I appreciate you having me on. Awesome, man. Chris, E60 is one of the greatest platforms one of the best ways that we see stories being told. What does it mean to you to have Chris Weidman to return air on E60? And what was the process like reliving the injury and everything that went with it as you did the documentary? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a humbling experience for, uh, you know, E60 to, be, to want to tell my story. Uh, super excited about it. I'm nervous about it because I still haven't seen it. Um, but it's a good opportunity, not just for the MMA fans out there, but for the general public, uh, because I think it's uh, a story that could inspire anybody, not just MMA people or fighters, um, athletes, just just the general public. Because, um, you know, you, got, you, you get an inside look of what I had to go through that, you know, most people never really get to, you know, see or understand. Um, and yeah, so I think they did a great job. They were there from the beginning, you know, four surgeries, infections, just, t- just tons of setbacks. As soon as you think you're, you're good, you know, just a setback after setback. And, uh, yeah, and here I am watching them do a surgery on me for the first time. So this is, this is <laughs> quite crazy. Um, yeah, man, like, listen, I, I, I had, I had 25 surgeries. Most people don't know this. I had 25 surgeries before my leg snapped in half. Then you add on four surgeries Jeez. from the leg. There was a shoulder surgery I had that I didn't even talk about uh, during these last two years before this Tavares fight. I've been riddled with injuries my entire career. In high school, my senior year, semifinals of the counties, which then eventually brings you to the state championships in New York, I, uh, I kept having crazy stingers in my neck. 
And uh, we ended up having to go to the doctor because I was like fainting from the pain. And they, they did, you know, the MRI and the x-rays and they said I should never wrestle again. Like you're going to end up getting paralyzed. Jeez. Well, that was that was in 2002. Here we are in 2023. Went through college wrestling. You know, obviously, you know, you know, you know, the accolades and what you have to go through as a division one wrestler. I haven't stopped in college. I already had, you know, seven knee surgeries. If there was if my phys, if the physical trainer from Hash University was asked if I were to do if I were to do anything after wrestling at Hasha, he'd be like absolutely not. Um, and uh, so it's just I think a testament to just perseverance and uh, not taking, you know, just never giving up. You know, Chris, your journey has been filled with a lot of highs and obviously some very very low lows. I remember you and I talking about podcasting and talking about doing things together when you were sitting at home injured and you were kind of stuck in one spot for a really long time. How did you stay mentally strong enough to even go on with those days when you were dealing with setback after setback after setback and ultimately it led to you making a return to the octagon? Well, I think I did a really good job of just taking a day at a time, try to find the silver linings in every every situation. You know, uh, when you're down and out and you can't move, you're stuck on the couch and you don't know if you're even going to be able to walk again. I was just trying to win every single day. And in the back of my mind, in the beginning, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to, you know, walk and play with my kids, let alone be able to fight. But, you know, as the days went on, I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, you know, I, I could do this. And uh, it became a like a little competition in my mind. I'm super competitive. And I had a crazy task in front of me. And I just wanted to overcome it and, you know, just do something that I know most people wouldn't be able to do. And, uh, yeah, we got back. How, impor- How important is it for you in those dark moments to be a standard, to be a example of what? perseverance can be and what it looks like for your children. And then when you're doing it for your kids, ultimately you inspire so many others. Like how important is it for you to not only be that guiding light inside the household for CJ and the rest of your kids, but for people that look at you, Chris Weidman and go, man, this guy had no prospects of being back to where he is today, but somehow he found that will in himself and that desire to fight to the point that he got to fight again. Well, the, the toughest part, um, obviously physically, it was a complete nightmare. More setbacks than, you know, you, you could even imagine. And um, But it was really the mental part of it, you know, just not getting down on yourself, not getting depressed, not giving up. And that was the hardest thing. And when you have, my, when you have your kids watching you, it is an extra motivation to, to be a, a role model for them and just give them an example mm. of when, you know, when adversity strikes, because it is going to strike, how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to feel bad about, are you going to feel bad for yourself or are you going to, you know, find a blessing in, in disguise and make the best of it? And uh, just that, that definitely was a motivation. I didn't want to uh, be a bad example. Um, I want to be a positive, positive example in life for my kids and, and the people around me. And, you know, anybody now who gets to watch this film, I hope it it, it is, uh, you know, a positive thing for them. You know, Chris, when you're going through this process, it is cameras all the time. Like you said, from surgeries to recovery. How was it? Like, how was it? How did you enjoy it? 
how did you, what were the moments that weren't so fun? Because there are moments like the one we just saw where you're squeezing the pillow in agonizing pain, but you have these cameras right in your face. How was the process from start to finish, and how excited are you and your entire family to see the finished product this weekend? ESPN really did a great job of trying to become be, be like the fly on the wall. And that was their promise to me. They were going to stay out of my face and just try to stay quiet and just be there filming. But I'll be honest, uh, throughout my whole UFC career, really, it's that's that's been tough for me. I'm, I'm kind of like shy and a private guy, to be honest, when uh, when, I, you know, when I'm around my family. I don't like people invading my personal space with my family inside my house and uh uh, you know, I don't like I don't like going place public places with cameras with me because then it brings attention to you. And you know, if people didn't know who you were, who you are, <laughs> then now they're going to be asking. It just I don't like that. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, some people love it. You know, and uh, they, and and good for them. You, I, I for me, what's that? You, you no, love it people, because I've been in public with you. I'm Chris Weidman, I, I, dude. There have been times where we go in the restaurants and they're not tables, and he's like. I'm Chris Weidman. That's Justin Gaethje. And, oh, that's just Daniel Cormier. Could we get a table? Like, so, yeah, you do love it. And we would be lucky to have cameras with us whenever we're trying to get dinner. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll take it when when you're going to get a little something from it. But when you're at your kid's flex football game, you're just trying to be a normal dude, you know, and then all of a sudden you got these – Yeah. You got all these cameras there. Then all the parents are like, wait, wait, who is that? And then it's just nonstop. That's it. Your whole life has changed. Everyone knows who you are, and they're going to be asking you questions every single day for the rest of your life every time you go to that flight football game, and then it extends to everything else. Yeah. So me, a part of me likes the privacy. Now, let's be honest. I'm on the weigh-in show. I'm on these different things. I'm going to try to have fun on camera. I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm shy. I'm on camera. I'm going to make the best of it. Um, I'm going to have a positive attitude yeah. about it. I'm not going to be sulking, but – the process of leading up to having cameras around you is like, ugh, I don't feel like doing this. Yeah. Chris, you went through so much, and then UFC 292, you made your return. What was the emotion in the back, Chris, when you're done with training camp and you're about to finally make that walk again? Tell us what you felt when you were in the back of that arena because I can only imagine it was satisfying but probably the scariest thing that you could ever imagine yeah i was i was proud of myself there was a, a sense of accomplishment walking out there and making that walk into the arena to have the love that i got in boston you know that was unexpected uh, you know everybody was singing my song and uh there was chance you know ringing my name the whole fight it was really an awesome experience um, but I was there to win the fight. So in my mind, I'm trying to forget all that and just try to go out there and make it another competition. Um, but when you suffer a traumatic injury like that th from throwing a kick, as much as you want to put that out, and it's like, like I said, I've now had 30 surgeries uh, total. And I've been through tons of setbacks, and I've been able to overcome it. So I just figured I'd be able to do it the same as, as the others. But when you're in there and you, you want to throw that kick, uh, man, for me, it just uh, – my body wasn't letting me do that my, or my brain wasn't letting me do, me yeah. do that, um, I, I should say. And, and it's funny because I trained to you know, be able to kick back. I was kicking in sparring. I wasn't – I was honest when I told people you know, I plan on going out there and kicking his legs right away. Um, and then as soon as I was in there, I, you know, he came, 
he came with a game plan to kick my lower legs and, and, and move, stay away from takedowns, and which I, we really didn't expect that, to be honest. But as he was doing it, I got to be able to, you know, um, re-strategize in the octagon. I couldn't – usually you get kicked, you want to throw back with a kick. I, I could not get myself to throw that kick back. I think it was in the second round he kicked me with another kick. My leg – actually, my left leg fractured in that fight from him kick, kicking it so much. Um, there was Jeez. one point I was like, I got to throw this kick. And I, I remember trying to throw it, and I was like babying it. I was just so – I was – I guess I was scared to throw it. Which I hate to say, but it was uh, definitely well, helped me back. Well, I mean, I can understand why after all you went through. Ultimately, you did it. And everybody was so proud of you, man, and so happy for you to see you up there again where you belong. Chris, before I let you go, this weekend you and I are hosting the weigh-in show. How much do you enjoy this new part of your career, the television part, even though it comes with you constantly getting beat on the golf course by me because I beat you in New York and made $300 off you. Thank you ESPN for putting this video up of DC. You know he's not beating me. You know he's not beating me with that golf swing. This guy he spends more time in the sand than David Hasselhoff. Um, Now I enjoy it man. I had a great time. I didn't know. They they must have ripped us off my Instagram. They even even asked for permission. (laughs) This is violating my, uh, my Instagram rights. But I'll allow it. Um, You're a terrible friend. Listen, I I love doing it. Hey, I love hanging out with you as much as I bust your balls. You're the man. And, uh, and you could, you could, you dish it out and you could take it. So that makes it fun. I could do the same. You could say anything you want to me. (laughs) I'm going to roll the punches. You know, sometimes you get me, you know, with some good ones and and I just have to eat it. And then sometimes it gets you, you know, you got to eat it too. But uh, yeah, we have a great time. And uh, obviously we both love golf. You, 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 you're out there golfing with, uh, you're golfing way more than me. (laughs) Um, but you're still not better than me, and you're and you're not inviting me enough out. You're, you're like you, you keep bringing these other dudes like Justin Gaethje out there. Come on, man. <laughs> I like to try to play without you because I'm trying to limit your of time because I know that when you're on the road is when you have time. So I rather not let you play, guys. Chris, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all you've done, guys. Chris Weidman, the return premieres December seventeenth at eight thirty Eastern on ESPN and streaming live on ESPN plus right away, right away, guys, you can watch it on E plus or on ESPN on Sunday. Make sure you guys tune in. That was Chris Weidman, a true gentleman, a guy that is a legend of the sport went through an unbelievable recovery process. As you guys can see on E60 dropping this week, what a story and what a guy, Chris Weidman, one of my favorite people in all of mixed martial arts, but from one of my favorite people in MMA to another one of my favorite people in MMA, let's welcome Kamaru Usman back for Tap In or Tap Out. Corporate Jake, let's go. Hi, guys. A pair of top 10 welterweights clash at UFC 296 between Shavkat Rachmanov and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. DC, Tap In or Tap Out, Shavkat becomes a top contender at 170 with a win. I tap in. But I tap in because he's already a top contender. This dude is the real deal. When you watch Shavkat Rachmanov fight, you know you're watching one of those guys that has potential to challenge at some point in his career. And, dog, he got Jeff Neal with a bulldog choke. The last time I saw somebody do a bulldog choke was Ben Askren, and the referee got nervous and stopped the fight too soon. 
The only time you see bulldog chokes is on a playground somewhere where an older brother is attacking his younger brother and he's just bullying him. So, yes, I tap in. If he wins, Shavkat Rachmanov is a contender because I believe he already is today. I agree, DC. I, I, uh, I'm going to tap in as well because I believe once he gets past a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, there's really nobody left. There's really nobody left besides Bilal Muhammad or myself or um, who else? Gilbert Burns. And so I definitely believe he's already right there in that, what, top five, top six. So I, I do believe this, mm -hmm. if he's able to get past him and, and not just get past him, but get past him impressively, I think he definitely solidifies himself as one of the top contenders. Also on the pay-per-view and at 170, former training partners Vicente Luque and Ian Machado Gary face off. Kamaru, mm. tap in or tap out. Luque possesses too many problems for Ian Gary. I tap in. I, I, I think a lot of problems for Ian Gary, but not just a lot of problems. It, it, it's There's a lot of things happening outside of the octagon that hopefully Ian Gary is able to get control of before he steps inside that octagon because it's going to be a mountain of pressure. Not only are you fighting Vicente Luque, Vincino, as I like to call him, but you are fighting the, the, the media, you're fighting the world, you're fighting it's just so many things, so many things I don't want to talk about, but you are fighting a mountain of things. And I believe if he's able to, to channel all of that, shut it out, and go out there and do his thing, oh man, I, I, I think he might you know, he, he shuts everybody up. But I do believe Vicente Luque presents a lot of problems. I can't even answer that. I can't even answer that because it's going to feel like I'm picking the fight. But I got to say this. Oh, you so disrespectful. You so disrespectful because you know that man dealing with you. You know that man dealing with Sean Strickland. You know that man dealing with Sean Strickland. You know that man dealing with. Hey, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because I'm not going to sit up here and try to hide. You know that man dealing with Sean Strickland attacking him. You know that that man dealing with. Kamaru, uh, Leon Edwards saying he done knocked him out in the gym. You know that man dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. So you saying that this man not going to be able to live up to Vicente Luque because he got out of the hey, cage hey. issues. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me. You said that, not me, DC. I did not say that. I said, hopefully exactly. he can channel that and do his thing. No, no, hopefully no. he can channel all that, shut it out, and do his thing. But I do believe people Vicente look at Luque his face when he says people look at problem. his face when he said every time what, he says something, face? he got a little smile that goes sideways. He's like, he got a lot of stuff. And then look at him smile sideways. He know what he's talking about. He's like a lot of stuff. That's what you do every time. Man, Corporate Jake, let's go, man. Let's go. Right, guys, Jake. Recently announced UFC 298's co-main event will see Marab Dvalishvili face off against Triple C Henry Cejudo. DC, tap in or tap out on Marab versus Cejudo in February. Man, I tap in. This is a crazy fight. I spoke to Henry Cejudo the other day on my YouTube, and this dude, I said, why are you fighting Marab Dewalishvili? Why are you calling for that fight? And he said that he loved the matchup. He said, because same thing Kamaru said earlier in the show, there are certain fighters that you know that their greatest skill doesn't translate against you. So he feels like Marab, while he can wrestle everybody, he won't be able to do that for him. So while he's scary to others, he's not as scary to Henry Cejudo. I tap all the way in. I feel like if Henry Cejudo is going to continue 
It needs to be in the biggest, most meaningful fights. And that is one of the biggest, most meaningful fights that he could have in the Bantamweight division. I agree with you, DC. I tap all the way in, both hands, both feet, whole head, (laughs) body. I'm all in there for this fight. I I do believe uh, Henry still has a chip on his shoulder. And and part of that is is I I do think it was a mistake. But when you give up your belts and these guys don't beat you to take your belts away from you, it just leaves a bad taste in his mouth. And I think Henry Cejudo really so badly wants those belts back. And he doesn't care who's in his way. Because like you said, DC, he knows that someone's biggest skill doesn't necessarily translate well to hit the the problems that he possesses. So I do believe that Henry Cejudo is excited for that fight, and I'm excited for it. I know you're excited for it. Let's just go. DC, let's go get a honey bun because I know you're excited for it, and I know you love the honey buns too. I know you love it. Hey, I love – wait, honey buns? (laughs) Honey, you say honey buns? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, listen, listen. He said, Kamar Usman said, it's horrible to give up your belts. It's horrible to give up your belts. And when you come back, some dude beats you that is holding the belt. Now, Kamar Usman, I love the way you tap in with your hands and your feet. Because, guys, one time I had Kamaru Usman in a bulldog choke. You know how they say the only time you get a bulldog choke is on your little brother? I had him in a bulldog choke, and he tapped with his hands and his feet. Corporate Jake, let's get the next one. Right, speaking of Marab, he had some fun following the announcement of his fight, showing he is focused solely on training with no distractions. So, fellas, what is one thing you give up during training camps? DC, you can start. Not not that. <laughs> That's one thing you should you don't have to give that up during training camp. Marav Marav is full of discipline. And I love that he's that disciplined. Go ahead, Marav. You don't have to give that up. But um maybe them honey buns. Hey, hey, Marav giving up them honey buns. <laughs> no, DC. No. Oh, for me, um being all, uh, being completely honest. Um, I, I kind of live this lifestyle. I live it for the most part, but I would say the biggest thing that to be a champion, to be at the tip top of your game, the biggest thing you have to give up is, is understanding that it's your time every day, everything that you are doing. It's about as focused as you are on this. So that means you got to take time away from your family, time away from your kids as a parent, you know, starting to pull that time away so you can just focus on training, recovery, and redoing it over and over and over again. I would say that's the biggest thing so far that I have to give up. And the older I get, the more importance I see in that. So I would say that, my time. Well, I know how much you love spending time with Miss Pretty. Hey, man, she's so pretty. She be dancing too. Bro, your daughter has the biggest personality, bro. You should be so proud. I can tell (laughs) how proud you are as a father of your kid. Guys, Kamaro, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it every single time you join DC and RC. You are a phenomenal champion and you are a phenomenal man. I appreciate your uh, everything you give to the sport of MMA. Thank you, my man. I appreciate you too. Thank you. Guys, every week, you can catch DC and RC wherever you get your podcast. Also on YouTube, uh, your podcast. We are on ESPN2 at midnight Eastern. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's Kamaru Usman. Maybe this week when I get to UFC 296, I'm going to put him in a bulldog choke again. Guys, thank you for joining me. We'll bring you a honey bun. Till next time. Peace. Shut up. (laughs) 